Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Joined again this week by my good friend Stephen Talbert. Stephen, it's been a it's been a rough road trip, but uh, I hope you're doing well. What's up, Chris? <clears throat> yeah, it's been um it's been not fun. It's been kind of up and down baseball lately, and we're gonna get into it all obviously in this episode. But yeah, it's it's been a a weird stretch of games. I don't really know how else to describe it with the way they've been pitching lately. So, um, but yeah, man, it's always good to it's always fun to do these with you. So it's it's good to be back on. I feel a little spoiled, honestly. Uh, I mean, when you look back, I mean, they haven't had many stretches like this during the season, and it's a it's a stark difference from the last two seasons. Even you know, I mean, um, even in twenty twenty one, I mean, they didn't get above five hundred till August. Obviously, that one ended well, but you know, it was a it was a grind up until that. Until that, and I mean, it was kind of the same thing last year in a lot of ways. They got off to that great start this time. Kind of, this kind of feels like May a little bit, except you're not quite playing as good of teams as they played in May. Um, so you know, it's it's weird. You know, they scored 25 runs in this four game series with the Pirates, and and it, obviously it was a split two two. But 25 runs in four games, that's usually enough to win you uh, more than just two games. You know, so I mean. I don't really know what to, uh, you know, to take away away from this. They've scored at least five runs in six of the seven games on this road trip. You know, I feel like there's some bad luck involved. But I thought something that nobody was really pointing out was you got to credit the Pirates a little bit. Those young guys, man, they stood in there and and you know they got big hits. Um, you know, they kind of babbipped uh, freed to death the other night. Uh, but you know they've come through in a clutch when they needed to. Cabron Hayes kind of had a down year all season i thought and uh you know he he came up huge in this series but uh you know what do you what what was you have any takeaways from this series with the pirates i mean it was a lot like the series against the cubs honestly i mean it's it's kind of been a um a little bit of a theme on this road trip where you know max had that amazing starting game one against the cubs and then since that day you know the braves have, have played six games after that and don't have a quality start in those six games the most a uh, uh, starter has pitched in any of those six games is, is five innings. They've given up four runs, five runs, six runs, seven runs. I mean, they've they've just pitched unbelievably poorly. It's almost certainly just small sample size noise. You know, I mean, that's that's. I know it's not terribly, you know, enjoyable to to talk about it like that. I know everybody likes to blame something or someone, but. You know, the truth of the matter is we're talking about a very tiny sample of basically one turn through the rotation. The Braves have like a 7.1 ERA in August, their rotation. Uh, But they have like a 
4.0 FIP. So, you know, you're seeing a, a tremendous amount of, um, I don't, I don't want to call it bad luck because the, 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 you know, that takes credit away from the other teams. Like you were saying with the pirates, they deserve some credit, but you know, the Braves have got like a 50% ground ball rate, um, and on the month and, you know, teams have like a 350 Babbitt, you know, that, that combination of things doesn't really happen on a large scale. That's only stuff you see in small samples. Um, the Braves are, the Braves pitching staff is running like a 23% home run on per fly ball rate, which is an obscenely high. We'll never stay that high for a full season. Again, that's only something you see in, in very small samples. So, you know, if you look at FIP, you've look at XFIP, which is something I've, I've kind of preached all year on the individual level. Um, then you, you know, you see a lot more of what's real ERA can just be, it can be a, you know, it can be a bit of a, a mirage in small samples. And I, I really think that's what we're seeing. And I'm not, I'm not worried about long-term. Um, I think this pitching staff is still fine long-term. I think once everybody gets right again and some of this batted ball luck and some of this, you know, homer per fly ball luck and all that stuff stabilizes, I think they'll start looking like the team they looked like for the first four months of the year or three months of the year. But um, yeah, it's been weird and it's frustrating. I get it. You know, I don't like to, I don't like to gatekeep fans about how they react to stuff. You know, everybody's got their own way of reacting and, if you've been on Twitter the last week, then you know that some fans react very, very poorly and <laughs> they get very frustrated and they, they say stupid things. And, you know, the, 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 there's a reason that the term fan comes from the word fanatical, because that's kind of what it is. It's, it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense to be a fan of a team. And so, you know, when things go poorly, that's what it's, that's what it looks like. And that's kind of where Braves fans are right now. But yeah, just looking at, you know, if we're just diving into the numbers part of it, what's real, what's not real, it it seems like a lot of noise. Quite honestly, I don't see anything in it that's actually worrisome for the future. Um, And yeah, that's kind of what I would tell people is you just got to wait it out, wait for the sample to get large enough where the noise gets canceled out and and we get back to, you know, what's real. Obviously, we're going to talk about the pitching uh, heavily here, but it's not just been the pitching. I mean, it's been bad base running. It's been uh, yeah. bad defense, which I feel like yeah. you and I probably need to do a whole podcast on, or at least a whole segment on this team's defense because, I mean, we've talked about it. They kind of cleaned it up in June, and I don't think that was a coincidence that, you know, they were almost unbeatable in June, uh, you know, to go along with the offense and the way they were hitting home runs. But they were playing good defense. And, I mean, it's just been – I don't know. It's like you're, you're trying to uh, – you know, you're just trying to thread the needle every night. You know, because one one little mistake, you know, just seems to just seems to unravel everything. And uh, you know, I mean, that's stuff that can be cleaned up. Uh, you know, the defense has been kind of it's been kind of weird anyway all season long. I, in fact, I didn't really ever think we'd see it this bad. I mean, depending on what metric you look at, but I mean, you know, it's kind of it's kind of startling. You know, when you look at the when you look at the infield. I mean, even Orlando Arceus, he still rates out really well. But I can think of a couple of plays uh, in the last week where, you know, it was a play that he should have made. It got credited as a single, uh, but it very much should have been a, a – uh, the play should have been made. Uh, even if you go back to that Max Freed uh, start in Pittsburgh the other night, can't get the ball out of his glove on that. That cost free – ended up costing free three runs. You know, if he makes that play, they get the next guy out. You know, they're out of that in one run scoring, you know, and it changes everything. So, you know, it's just little things like that that have been nagging. But, uh, you know, there's no, there's no, you know, disputing that the pitching, the starting pitching has not been great. 
And, you know, it comes at a terrible time because obviously they didn't go get a starter at the deadline, and that's what a lot of people are pointing to. But I thought Grant McCauley had a great tweet today. And, uh, you know, they could have went and got a guy for this fifth spot, but that's not going to make uh, Charlie Morton, Spencer Strider, and Max Free get through the fifth inning this week. You know, so it's just it's small sample size theater in a lot of ways with that. Would it have helped? Maybe. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, I would have loved to have seen the reactions if uh, they had traded a real prospect for a guy with a six-and-a-half ERA the way the Dodgers did. But when you're, you know, when you've had the injuries to the pitching staff that the Dodgers have had, you know, it's a different situation. The Braves had a lot of options to come from. I kind of see where they were coming from with it. Is it the right decision? We'll find out, you know, as as the season goes on. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, when you look at Bryce Elder, Bryce Elder started, I mean, you and I may have a different opinion on this today. I didn't feel like he pitched that badly. You know, it was some bad luck in there. It had a, an extremely tough hit by pitch that I think would have been a strike if it hadn't hit the guy's elbow guard. But, you know, I mean, it just, it, again, it seems like with him, you and I have talked about the regression. He's run a he's run an ERA that was about a, a run lower than his FIP all season long. And I think that – I still feel like that's what we're getting. I think if you you want – you know, if you want to nitpick, the, the lack of swing and miss is the thing that kind of jumps out to me because he was carrying a 22 23% strikeout rate early. And I believe that's down to about 17%. You know, he's not missing bats anymore. And, you know, that might be a long-term – something that you know that's that's going to linger longer than just a small sample not just Bryce but everybody it seems like every single time the Braves get into a jam on the pitching side they pay for it with the maximum amount of runs like you know Max Fried's game the other night was a perfect example where like if you look at the collection of hits that the Pirates got that, that probably should not have equaled four runs but the way the Braves are going right now with their defense, like you said, with the pitching, you know, some of the bad luck, it seems like every time there's an opportunity for the opposing team to score, they score the maximum amount of runs in that situation. You know, it, it, it kind of over-exaggerates some of the flaws that you might have on your pitching staff. You know, it, it highlights them in a way that makes them look bigger than they maybe are. Now with Elder, you know, you and I have talked about Bryce Elder a thousand times this year, and we've you know, every time... You know, we've said the same thing, that he's not a two, or two ERA pitcher. Please don't think he's a two ERA pitcher. You know, this stuff is going to regress. There's, you know, we're, we're going to get down to his true talent level soon enough. And and that's obviously happened. And in the same vein, he's also, I don't think he's a, he's got like a 10 ERA this month. You know, I I don't think he's a 10 ERA pitcher either. You know, there's a, there's a happy medium here where he's like a four and a half ERA, four and a half FIP guy, plenty good for your fifth starter. And once Kyle Wright gets back, that's what he is. But, yeah, it's been weird. You know, with Bryce, like you said, the swing and miss has not been there. The walks have been weirdly high. Like, I think since his first start in July till now, he's got the exact same number of walks as he does strikeouts, which has been weird. You know, he's a command control guy. He's not a stuff guy. He's got to locate. He can't put guys on for free. Um, And that's what's really burned him lately is the walks. And that's really been kind of a a staff-wide issue. Um, in this stretch, that's kind of one thing you could point to. Is there's been a lot of walks, a lot of free passes. The Braves had like a nine-walk game on Sunday against the the Cubs. The pitching staff did, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, that many free base runners. On top of the fact that you're giving up a 350 BABIP lately, and every ball that's hit on the ground seems like it's finding a hole. I mean, add all that up, and yeah, you're going to give up runs. And so yeah, it's it's been tough for Bryce and. 
you know, I wouldn't be stunned. You and I talked about this earlier today. I wouldn't be stunned if they gave him a little bit of a break. I don't know what they're going to do. You know, they have what they do, and and you and I are going to talk about this here in a minute, but what they do coming up in these next few games and these next turn through the rotation is going to be pretty fascinating because they don't have a lot of options in terms of moves they can make without putting guys on the IL. And it's going to be fascinating, you know, if they decide to give guys some rest, if they if they decide to skip a guy to give one of these young kids another shot, you know, I'm pretty fascinated to see what they're going to do this turn through the rotation and the next couple of turns through the rotations, quite, quite honestly, because they have a big enough lead where they can, you know, they can play around with it a little bit. They're not stuck with one thing. You know, if you have a, a two-game lead, it's it's different than if you have a 10-game lead. So, you know, they've got some room to play with, and I'm I'm pretty fascinated to see what they do in these next couple of weeks with the rotation. Yeah, and I mean, it's they're also in this stretch, too, where they don't have any off days. You know, they're not going to have an off day till the 17th, which is next week after after they get home on that long homestand. So, you know, I think that's that's um, that plays a part in the decisions that you make. Uh, you know, but I mean, again, I'm, I'll go back to last homestand. You know, Brian Snicker was talking, I think it was after one of the the wins over the Angels. And, you know, he was like, he was always marveled at this offense. It's kind of been that way. And, but he said, you know, he said, we will struggle again at some point, you know, because it's a 162-game season. And I think that's just, you know, that's just where they're at. They could, For whatever reason, they've come out of the All-Star break and it struggled. they've struggled a little bit. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's good – it's good to be 10 games up and struggle. It's much better to be 10 games up and struggle than it is to be five down and struggling. So, you know, you got to, you got to keep some perspective, but you know, I mean, just talking about perspective, I mean, they're 12 and 12 since the all-star break, they had an eight and a half game lead in the division entering the all-star break. The Phillies are playing right now. Uh, They're either going to have a 10, 10 and a half game lead or a nine and a half game lead tonight uh you know heading into heading into friday series with new york so they haven't lost any ground if they've lost anything you're looking at the best record in the in the national league uh because that'll be home field advantage uh you know as far as uh as far as postseason goes the dodgers have closed gap on that so you know there is things to play for but i mean if you're gonna have one of these stretches it's better to do it now than to do it with a week to go in the season because then you're really kind of scrambling. And that's just kind of the way, you know, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. I mean, you want to see them play better. You uh, you know, you want to see this stuff cleaned up. But, you know, at the same time, I think it's just part of it. And, you know, you're just going to have to, you know, when I – I mean, how many how many times are you going to go through a rotation? The Braves – how many times are the Braves going to go through a rotation? And Yanni Chirinos was the only guy that got to fifth in it. I mean, yeah. and he get, on a day that he gave up four home runs. So, I mean, it, it's just not – you know, it's just not going to happen very often for a team that's seventy-two and forty-one. You know, it's just, it's just, it was just crazy to kind of look at that, to uh, you know, lay those things out. And I mean, if Str- Spencer Strider has a normal start in in Pittsburgh, you know, this whole the whole tenor of this series is different. Uh, but you know, he didn't get out of third inning, and when he does that, you're kind of in that behind the eight ball. You know, in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it's got the cumulative effect, right? And that's what we saw today is. You know, when you stack these kind of starts over and over and over again, the bullpen is the one that pays for it. And you get into situations where, and we saw it a lot this series. And this is one thing I, I'm I'm annoyed with about Braves fans is that, you know, I see I see a lot of hate for Brian Snitker about bullpen management in this stretch of games. And there's a reason that he tried to get three innings out of Colin McHugh the other day. It's because the bullpen has covered more innings than the starters in the last seven days. I mean, the bullpen has pitched more innings 
than the rotation has covered. And that's crazy. And when that happens, when you have this this kind of stretch, this number of consecutive games where a starter can't get out of the fifth and sometimes can't get out of the fourth and sometimes can't get out of the third, then it's 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 cumulative, right? The bullpen pays the price, and you can't always pitch your best guys. I mean, I guarantee you the Braves had probably four four or five relievers down today because they they just pitched so much in the last week. And, you know, that's, you know, people were mad because Brad Hand was in there facing righties. Well, you know, the Braves had like three relievers today. Like Brad Hand's going to have to face a couple righties when the bullpen's covering more innings than the rotation. Like, you know, people were mad that McHugh stayed in for so long. You know, people were mad that this guy gets used and this guy doesn't get used. It's like, guys, like, you know, these guys can't pitch every day. And there's a 10-game lead. Like, you got to you got to reserve some stuff for the postseason as well. Like you can't just go all out to win every single game in August when you've got much bigger fish to fry later in the year. And yeah, I get annoyed when people start bashing, you know, there's nothing a manager can do if the starters don't pitch innings. Like that's like the baseline expectation is that the starters are going to cover X amount of innings and whatever X is in that equation, the, the starters lately have been under that. So, you know, the bullpen is going to pay the ultimate price for that. And that's what you're seeing. And, you know, I think Snit's done a pretty good job managing it. I think he's kept X number of guys available each day to give your team a chance to win. You know, the Braves had a chance to win today. They had the tying run at the plate in the ninth inning. You know, somebody bops a homer there, it's a tie game. And, you know, when when the starters aren't doing their job, you know, there's not a lot the manager can do about it. He can kind of, you know, finagle it a little bit. But I just, I get annoyed with that kind of stuff. I don't know if you saw the post game, but Snit, you know, Snit talked about it. it was asked about the bullpen, said they were in pretty good shape. And I, I'll be honest, before today, the bullpen had really pitched really well. You know, I really know. Well. I mean, everybody wants to highlight that solo home run that Colin McHugh gave up in his third inning of relief, but they don't want to talk about the six up, six down in the first two innings of that. You know, yeah. and I mean, it wasn't like uh, Cabron Hayes. Uh, you know, that was the only hit he had in this series either. So, you know, and, and on top of that, it hit off the top of the fence. You know, it's just another one of those, you know, if a bounce, if the, if there was a bounce, it went the wrong way for the Braves this week, kind of. But, you know, I don't – without ranting too much, you know, this, that was the thing. And, and Snicker admitted today, you know, they're kind of – they're kind of trying to manage it with the idea that they've got to cover 18 in and Saturday, you know, which we'll talk about this Mets series coming up. But, uh, you know, there was one particular positive on this road trip, and uh, we've got some roster decisions coming soon that, uh, that we're going to talk about. But let's first, let's take a break. I tell you one one positive uh, from this from this road trip. It's really been going on since the whole second half. It's been Matt Olson. Um, he's played in every game this season, 113 games. That's probably something else for us to talk about, uh, you know, in the coming weeks. But hit his 40th home run today. I think he's 101 RBIs uh, now for the season, and then his career high is 111. You know, he's going to blow past that. Uh, the Braves franchise record's 51 homers uh, set by Andrew Jones in 2005. Andres Galarraga has the record for first baseman with 44 homers in uh, 1998. But, you know, I, it's weird because when you think back early in the season, you know, Olsen was, Olsen was producing. He was hitting homers. He was hitting doubles. But he was striking out about 35% of the time. Uh, you know, his average is up just under 270 now. Uh, his strikeout rate's been cut uh, significantly. He's just been on a stretch, and you know I'll be honest. I I had high hopes for how good I thought he could be, but I think he's even eclipsed them. You know because he's been the power bat that this you know this lineup really. I mean, for a team that's hit a ton of home runs, you know he's been the guy that's been you know really really cranking them out here of late. 
Yeah, I talked about this a little earlier in the season when the other guys weren't playing as well, but Matt Matt has a critical role in the team being kind of the big left-handed bat in the lineup, right? Like he's the great equalizer versus right-handed pitching. And the Braves see so much right-handed pitching because they destroy lefties. And every team that they play is going to stack righties against them, and that means Matt has to make those teams pay for it. And he's done a he's done a brilliant job. I mean, he's been, you know, you and I have been, this has been a very pro-Matt Olson podcast for the entire time he's been a member of the team. And I've always had, I've always loved Matt Olson as a player. I think he's been a highly underrated player almost all of his career, mostly because he played in Oakland. But even as good a player as I thought he was, I think this is another level like he's gone to. Like he's got a 155 WRC plus this season. I just looked that up before we started uh, recording like that's banana like that's that's like Juan Soto that's like elite hitter level territory you know and Matt's always been a big home run guy a big walk guy um, but a 155 that's like another level of production and you know it's been he had that one little stretch in May and May's always been a month for him that he struggled a little bit it's kind of weird but ever since then you know especially since the all-star break, he's got like 10 homers since the all-star break I mean he's been or 11 homers now because he hit one today. I mean, he's been just a, he's been unbelievable. He's been everything the Braves could have hoped for. He's anchored the middle of that lineup. You know, when when Austin wasn't having the best year early on, Austin's picked it up quite a bit too. But, you know, Austin had those struggles early on. And, you know, Matt's been a force. And I, I'm so happy for him. I'm so happy that, it, that Braves fans have finally gotten to see the quality of player that he is because I, I really felt like he was going to open some eyes playing in a bigger market, playing for a, a fan base that's got, you know, national level reach. Um, I really thought he would become kind of a household name. And, you know, he, he had a solid year last year. He didn't have a great year last year. His first year, you know, replacing Freddie Freeman, I'm sure that was pretty tough. But, you know, this year he's just looked so much comfortable, uh, so much more comfortable. And starting from spring training, I mean, starting from day one, he looked really locked in. He's crushing everything. He hits the ball so hard. It's unbelievable how hard he hits the ball. He's got like his average exit velocity is like ninety six, like yeah, like like ninety six miles an hour for an average exit velocity, which is just absurd. I mean, that's not a number that you ever see, and you know that's what he's doing this year, and and it's it's been incredible to watch, and I'm really happy for him. The Braves need it. You know, the offense is going to have to carry the team at times, like we've seen, and he's he's a big part of it. You know, Freddie Freeman's had an amazing, amazing season as well. Uh, you know, he's probably going to be in the MVP chase along with Acuna and, uh, you know, uh, maybe his teammate Mookie Betts. But, you know, we said even back when this happened, you know, when, when the trade was made, we, I, you know, my, my opinion was if you weren't going to re-sign Freddie Freeman or if you couldn't re-sign Freddie Freeman, they had to go get Matt Olson. You know, that yep. was just the, the way it was. And I remember people thinking it, saying it was a bad trade because they thought it was going to take $300 million to sign Matt Olson. And the Braves got him locked up for eight years. Uh, I think it was $168 million. And there might be a team option on that. There's a team option on the end of that. I mean, this is ridiculous value, you know, for a local player that fits so well in this clubhouse and on the field and in the lineup. I mean, it's just been a – it's been an unbelievable start for him, and uh, you know I just hope. Yeah, you know, he he was having. You're right. He was having a good season last year, and he just slumped. Uh, I think in August, actually, it was August first of September. You remember he came kind of came out of it right the last week or so, and then and then hit well in the division series. Uh, but he had that just that prolonged slump that just uh, it just kind of killed his numbers. But yeah, you know this time 
I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, you know, he's got a real shot to uh, to break Andrew's record, especially if he continues at the pace he's going. Um, you know, and then uh, RBIs, obviously, you know, he's gonna he's gonna blow past his career high there and post a number that we hadn't seen, uh, you know, in, there in a while for a Braves player. I'll, I'll be I'll be stunned if he doesn't get to fifty one. I mean, I, the rate he's hitting homers, I mean, hell, he might be to fifty by September. I mean, he's right. he is he's got unbelievable power unbelievable power he hits the ball so freaking hard and it's it's incredible to watch and i would love it i would love if he got the the franchise record i think that would do a lot for him in terms of confidence and and not always having to live in freddie freeman's shadow you know if he if you if you put your name kind of cement your name on a record like that for a franchise then you know you can just be your own player you don't have to be somebody else's replacement and and I would love it for him if he could do that. Would be really incredible. Yeah, no, you're right. The way he's going right now, I mean, he should he should break that record. And uh, you know, and I don't think he's gotten really the national attention. I mean, he tied Shohei Otani today with his 40th home run. Yeah. You know, if you remember last year, um, you know, of course, Aaron Judge had an unbelievable season, was chasing, and he ended up with 62 and chasing. But I know 50 homers is not kind of the magical number that it was a few years ago. But you know, that's still to me, that's still a that's still a pretty heck of a mark, you know, as far if you can if you can put up that season. So yeah, see, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch. There's so many records that this Braves team's on their way to get. I mean, you got Ronald with the stolen base and runs scored. You know, Matt Olson chasing the homers. You know, there's going to be a lot of things to watch. Um, you know, over the next month and a half, over the last 50 games of this season. Um, you know, but yeah, Matt Olson, you just got to be happy for him because I know that wasn't easy. Uh, an easy situation for him it's not always easy to come to your hometown and play there's a ton of distractions that come with that and I thought he handled it well but you know he he looks comfortable now uh, much more comfortable this year than you know what we saw last yeah and I'm 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 as confident with him at the plate as I am with anybody you know like other than maybe Acuna like when it's a big situation it's funny because last year I, I couldn't say that but this year like I'm like just get to Matt just get to Matt in the inning, and something good's going to happen. He's been taking a ton of walks. He's been intentionally walked a lot. Uh, teams are, you know, that's the ultimate sign of respect. This team's like, there's no there's no chance I'm letting you beat us. And they've been intentionally walking him, um, you know, and, and the, both the catchers have been in a little bit of a slump, so that contributes to that as well. But, yeah, it's been incredible to watch, and I'm really happy for him. And I hope he gets that record. That would be an incredible story. And I agree with you. I don't think he's getting the national attention that he deserves given – where he's at, uh, you know, home runs, RBIs, MVP race, you know, he, he should be talked about more. Heading into this weekend series, uh, they've got a another roster decision that's kind of, you know, coming up. It's on the horizon. I'm assuming it's going to happen tomorrow, but, you know, I guess there is a chance that they could wait till Monday. Brian Snicker was kind of uh, – didn't really – indicate much uh which way they might go but dylan lee's uh completed pretty much completed his uh, rehab assignment i guess he could make one more appearance if he needed to but looks like he's coming back and you know this is going to be a good uh, an interesting decision because um you know i'll think back to the trade deadline out Anthopoulos was talking uh after that um you know sometimes you got so many good guys so many players 
it's a good problem to have, uh, and most times it works itself out. But it doesn't look like it's going to work itself out this time. Brace bullpen right now, they've got eight guys down there, and none of them have options. So they're going to have to make a decision to get Lee back. I, I, again, I, I feel – I think it seems like it was about three weeks ago, you know, everybody was worried about the bullpen. You know, the bullpen was leaky. You know, you were, they were giving up leads and, and whatnot. But I think the bullpen's kind of stabilized itself, um, you know, and it's been under a lot of pressure lately. So, you know, this is going to be a fascinating decision that they have to make. Yeah, I agree. The bullpen has really turned it around. You know, uh, Rossiel has been much more consistent lately. He's had some one-run games and, and really close games that he's had to – to come on and save and he's he's been nails mentors done the same coming getting mentor back has been huge uh pierce johnson has been a, a really good acquisition i thought he, i thought he's looked really really sharp since they acquired him you know joe jimenez has very quietly had a really good year for the braves he's you know if you're talking about guys who probably don't get enough respect i think he's maybe at the top of the list you know i, I try to tweet about him when i can because i feel like he, he's kind of gets forgotten about because he had a rough start, but he's had a really good year. Um, this bullpen has been really good. And like you said, they, you know, they get Dylan Lee back. Dylan Lee's one of their best relievers already. So it's, it'll be a huge thing, but yeah, I, I'm fascinated to see what they do. Cause like you said, they don't have any options on any of these guys. You know, a lot of times that means somebody catches a 15 day kind of mini vacation IL trip. You know, there's some things they can do in the rotation if they wanted to get kind of crazy with it and, and try to get extra relievers for the weekend. But, yeah, they're, they're going to have to make some decision. Well, I guess they don't have to. We're assuming they're going to make some decision this weekend. But like you said, they, you know, they could hold this off until they get back home. Um, so we'll see what they do. But if they do end up adding Lee tomorrow, they have to make a 40-man roster move and they have to make a 26-man roster move. So, yeah, and like we said, there's no options. Nobody with options in the bullpen which is pretty rare. I, you know, I've said this all year. If, if there's one criticism I think is fair of Alex, is, is I think he's the bullpen he built is a little too rigid in terms of flexibility and roster movement. I think there's so many times in a season where you need fresh arms and you need guys coming up and down that it's important to have guys with options in the pen, and, and the Braves really haven't had that all year. And so they've kind of had to IL guys when they want to get somebody else up. And it looks like they're going to have to do that again. If they want to get Dylan Lee up for this weekend, then they're probably going to have to put somebody on the IL. Yeah, and they've also got a doubleheader coming up Saturday that will be able to add a 27th man. Um, They're going to need a starter. It looks like, just looking at uh, Gwinnett's probables, it looks like it's going to be Mike Soroka is scheduled for Saturday. Alan Winans is scheduled for Sunday. Either of those would be an op, uh, possibility um that would be that would be my guess that it's going to be one of those guys i mean i don't if it's not soroka now then i don't know when it's going to be soroka you know i've kind of that's kind of been the way i've i've looked at this for the last couple of weeks you know i don't understand why he's in he's still at Gwinnett at this point i think you know at some at some sooner or later you've got to just put him in there and you know, pitch him every fifth day and see what you got. You know, if it's it's either there or it's not, but at least you'll know. You know, kind of. So maybe you know, maybe there there's something else there. Um, as far as that, you know, you mentioned this in Slack today. They could get creative with starters. I mean, you know, elders got options. You know, that could open up a spot there. I think uh, Chernos actually has options, but he's got to agree. He's got enough service time that he has to agree to go down. Uh, he's listed as Sunday starter. You know, it's. I don't know. You know, I look, when I look at Yanni Chirinos, this is one of those guys that if they had acquired him in the offseason, I might have been intrigued. 
you know, and I, I, I kind of, he does kind of intrigue me because it wasn't that long ago. He, he did pitch pretty well for Tampa Bay and, you know, he had an injury and he's come back and it's not been, you know, it's not been great. Um, you know, he's, he's had one good outing with the, with the Braves and then the other two were just kind of, you know, just kind of, uh, there. He did get through five innings the other night though, but, um, you know, I just wonder how long they're going to continue to go with this and over a guy like Soroka or, um, you know, even AJ Smith Shaver as far as that, as far as that is. Um, but you know, it's just, uh, there, it, it, a decision's coming, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to make some, uh, roster decisions here. And like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how they pull it off. Yeah. I don't know what to think of, of Yanni. You know, I'm a big, you know, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know, I'm a big kind of numbers behind the numbers guy. Like I love looking at the raw data. I love looking at the granular stuff, the, you know, the stuff that's a little bit more true versus the results. And, you know, even when you look at that stuff, you know, Yanni's not, it doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be stunned. Like I'm to the point now, man, honestly, like nothing would surprise. Like if they, if we woke up tomorrow, and they DFA'd Yanni, and they optioned Elder, and they brought up a bunch of relievers for the weekend, and then used a bunch of kids the rest of the way in Sirocco. Like, I honestly wouldn't be that surprised. Like, I would, it would be a little surprised, but not. I wouldn't be like stunned. Like, if they DFA'd Yanni tomorrow, it, I just to have extra relievers, it wouldn't surprise me. If they optioned Elder to give him a break and give you know get Dylan Lee up, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, they're kind of at that point now, you know, with the especially the back end of this rotation where. And their lead is big enough where they can really start experimenting with stuff. And, you know, I agree with you. I think you got to give Soroka a chance. Like, it's been weird with him because they talked about not wanting to yo-yo him, you know, back and forth from, you know, Gwinnett to the majors. And, you know, once they call him up, they want to leave him up. And that's like the exact opposite of of what they've actually done. They've All they've done is yo-yo him back and forth. And he gets one start and it doesn't go well and he's back in the minor. It's been weird. And I'm with you, like, you know, I would rather see Mike's, you know, Michael Soroka pitch every fifth day than Yanni Chirinos. I, I think I'm at that point. Like, I think he's got more upside. There's just more to gain by seeing what Soroka has. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, Soroka has not pitched well. Like, I understand why he hasn't, you know, just been given carte blanche to pitch as many innings as he wants. He hasn't looked great. Um, and the numbers are, are not good. So, you know, I get it, but yeah, I'm to that point where pretty much nothing they do at this point with the rotation or the bullpen is going to surprise me because they're they're kind of desperate for some answers right now. Kind of dismissed the thought of you know of Elder going down when you first mentioned it, but you know again I got to remember that you know Soroka's been sent down twice when I wasn't expecting that either. So you yeah. know with a with the roster the way it is right now and them you know Dylan Lee potentially coming back. You know, we could see some we could see some uh, roster gymnastics over the next uh, you know over this next series anyway. But I do hope it's Soroka Saturday. I would like to see him. You know, let's not pretend though. I mean, he him he's had an opportunity. Jared Schuster's had an opportunity. Dylan Dodd's had an opportunity. Nobody took that spot and and just said it's mine. You know, I mean, right. there nobody's done that. AJ Smith Shaver too. You know, although he's just twenty, the way he was uh, pushed so fast, you know, I don't know that it was even possible that he could he could have grabbed that spot and and held on to it. But you know, it's it's kind of been a revolving door. But you know, just just to close up on Chirinos, I know the Braves have changed his pitch mix a little bit, and uh, you know, it's not like they haven't had success taking somebody else's cast off and you know turning him into something. 
and everything. And I, you know, and I guess, you know, you're right. I mean, if it's a 10, you've got a 10 game lead and you want to experiment, you know, and you think you might fix a guy, that's fine. But I just don't know, you know, I mean, we're just not seeing results. And, you know, if the rest of the rotation struggling, then that spot, you can't really afford to keep throwing him out there if he's going to struggle, I think. So, you know, but I guess the same thing applies to, you know, the other guys too. Uh, but be interesting to see who gets that start. Alan Winans too, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to dismiss him because I thought he looked pretty good. He only, I think he still, he didn't make it out of the fifth inning in his one appearance, but you know, he's had a heck of a year at Gwinnett too. So those, those are the two options. It looks like, uh, Darius Vines did pitch tonight, so he's not an option. Dylan Dodd is scheduled for tomorrow. I guess if Dodd got scratched tomorrow, you know, he would be in the mix too. Uh, so we'll just have to see, but that's something that's, uh, that's coming up uh, along with uh, the decision on Dylan Lee. Yeah. And Winans has had a good year in Gwinnett. You know, I, I've kind of questioned some of his underlying numbers as, as whether or not they're real, but you know, he's, he's, he's only gotten one start in the majors. He, he pitched pretty well against Milwaukee. You know, Milwaukee's not good in terms of offense, but you know, the pirates aren't good in terms of offensively either. And, and the entire rotation struggled with him. So, you know, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's him, you know, I would, I would probably go Soroka just because of the upside. If you get him right, then that's a piece that you could potentially use in the postseason. I don't think there's any version of Alan Winans pitching in the postseason, but you know who knows? We'll see what they do. They've got a big enough lead where they can they can play around with a little bit. I know fans are losing their mind because you know they're only twelve and twelve since the All Star break, and the and the rotation has looked like crap lately. But you know the truth is they're you know, their division odds have dropped from like 99.9% to like 99.8%, right? So like if you zoom out, then not much has really changed. So the team's still got some room to play with. Um, you know, this is a really tough stretch of games where you're playing 14 consecutive, you're playing eight games in one week. You got a doubleheader on Saturday, you know, there's just no room for any rest or recovery. And so, yeah, they're, they're fighting it a little bit right now, but you know, Again, zoom out a little bit. They're really not in that much trouble. They they can they can experiment with guys. They can use different guys. You know, I would rather them do that than run the same five guys into the ground. Honestly, so. Um, but yeah, it'll be fascinating to see. I'm very interested to see what they do tomorrow. If there's any roster moves, if if Lee comes up, who if he does, who goes down? Who you know? Do they option somebody? Do they IL somebody? So. It'll be fascinating to see tomorrow. Yeah, and the last note here before we move on, um, you know, there hasn't been – I know Kyle Wright was throwing bullpens uh, on the last homestand. I know he threw one. I'm figuring we will get some updates uh, once they get back home as far as his progress. You know, I mean, I don't think he – he shouldn't be too far away from facing hitters and then a rehab assignment would come after that. But, you know, the expectation was sometime around the – the uh, beginning of September. Uh, so, you know, you're going to see him. He's going to be he's going to be on rehab. If that's going to hold, he's going to be on rehab assignment real soon. And, uh, you know, as far as we know, everything's been positive. All right, let's take another break, and then we'll look at this Mets series. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
when we looked at April, or even after that first Mets series when there was a, a rain out and, you know, this game got rescheduled to a doubleheader this Saturday, we were we were kind of circling this as this was going to be a huge series, you know, down the stretch uh, for the Braves and the Mets. And obviously, the, you know, the Braves held up their end of the bargain, but the Mets didn't. Uh, the Mets have sold uh, – don't they're ten and fourteen since the All Star break? You know it's been a it's been a rough season in Queens. They are playing a little bit better. They did just take two out of three from the Cubs, uh, who were playing really well when the Braves saw them um, earlier this week. Pete Alonso had four home runs in that series. He's got thirty five on the season. We know how hot he can get. But you know, again, this is one of those series where, like, I don't even care what their record is. I don't care how they're playing. Just need to see the Braves go and clean up some of this stuff. Um, you know, that, that that's hampered them in Chicago and Pittsburgh. They need to go in, uh, you know, and just get back to get back to playing winning baseball because, you know, I mean, you just don't want this to linger. It's early and, you know, there's still plenty of time, but, you know, you just got to play better. Yeah, that's – I 100% agree. That's what I want. I just, you know, give me a game where they don't give up five runs or more. Like the Braves – the last time the Braves played a game where they didn't give up at least five runs was last Friday, right? So it's been exactly a week – when the game starts tomorrow, since the Braves played a game where they didn't give up five runs. So like clean up the defense, get some decent pitching, you know, even don't win the game. I don't really care if you win the game or, you know, the Braves lead is big enough where we don't have to live and die off results at this point, but just like process matters. And like, I want to see a well-pitched game, a well-defended game, no stupid base running mistakes. The Braves have really kind of become a, a two plan central in terms of, you know, being thrown out on the base pass and, you know, just clean it up. Like you said, clean it up, play well. The Mets aren't good. You know, they traded away all the guys that were worth trading away. And Alonzo is probably the only one, you know, him and Lindor that really kind of scare you. So, you know, if you're smart about it, you won't let uh, Alonzo beat you. The Cubs obviously didn't follow that advice and he beat them, you know, pretty consistently this week. But yeah, even if, you know, I'm fine with a split. Like, I don't, I'm not like, you know, I'm not gr- trying to get greedy here and need a, a sweep or a three out of four. I care more about the process than the results at this point. Like, just play well. Just pitch well. Catch the ball. Throw the ball to the right base. Run to the right base. Don't make stupid decisions. Like, you know, the Braves have kind of been on cruise control since the All-Star break. And that's fine. You know, you got a big enough lead where you can you can kind of, you know, you that's that's not going to kill you. But. I, I want to see them start playing sharp baseball again. And, you know, the Mets, it was supposed to be a big rivalry this year. Like you said, the Mets didn't hold up their end and, and have collapsed. I don't really know another word for it. The, the most expensive team in the history of baseball, you know, sold at the deadline. So, you know, that's they've had a, a brutal year. But, yeah, they're going to come in. They're going to try to spoil things for the Braves. They want to make the Braves' lives harder and, you know, just play clean baseball. That's all I want to see, just clean baseball. And, you know, if you win games, great, but – Let's let's kind of get back to the basics of throwing, catching, throwing. You know all the all the the basic stuffs of baseball. The Braves have kind of let slip a little bit here in the last few weeks. So, yeah, that's what I want to see. Yeah, the pitching matchups for the series. Charlie Morton's going to go on Friday. Spencer Strider's going to pitch one of the uh, games Saturday. They haven't set the order, uh, and, and Yanni Chirinos is listed as a Sunday starter. The Mets haven't announced anything. Just doing. <laughs> Back of uh, back of the napkin math here, I think it's going to be Tyler McGill Friday. Jose Quintana will probably start one of those games Saturday. I have no idea who the other one was. And we'll probably get our first look at Cota Singa, which I think is wild because 
you know, you would have thought that they would have tried to manipulate their rotation to where he would have pitched against the Braves. He's been their best pitcher. Uh, it's at least intriguing, you know, to get to see him actually in person. So, you know, there it is. You know, I think the last thing I wanted to say about it, one thing this team's shown since 2018 is they're not going to panic. You know, I mean, you think back over the last few years, Will Smith blowing saves, uh, Kenley Jansen blowing saves. Everybody wanted the, you know, the closers re- replaced, wanted this guy benched. You know, Brian Snicker's going to stand by his guys. Uh, he's not going to get too high when they're winning. He's not going to get too low when they're losing. You know, and that's just that's just the way it is. And sometimes it's frustrating because it, it's just like I was mentioning with Yanni Chirinos. You know, when I ask how how long are they going to continue to go with this. You know, it may go. They may go if they think they if they think he can help and they think he can be the you know a difference at some point. Then you know they'll they'll give him a lot of rope. And I mean that's just something that they've shown year after year after year. And it seems like we forget. But I think that's one of the reasons Brian Snicker is uh, so beloved by his players is that you know he's got their back as far as this goes. You know they're not you're not you know they're not yanking somebody when they go oh oh for ten. You know, I mean, and it's painful sometimes to watch, uh, but it's in the long run, it seems like it served them well. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's one of the benefits of of having a manager that's been around the game for, hell, I don't know, 50 years at this point. I don't know how long he's he's been around forever. Like, he just doesn't get, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't get rattled by losing streaks or poor play. You know, he's the ultimate player's manager. He always goes to bats for his guys. He's never going to call out a guy in the in the media. He's never going to freak out. He's kind of the same, you know, and he was like that when they were winning a bunch of games too. You know, he kept saying, you know, this is not going to last. They're not going to, we're not going to play 800 ball all year. You know, when, when inevitably we go through a swoon, you know, we're not going to freak out. Just gonna keep playing, you know. The great thing about baseball is another game tomorrow, another game tomorrow, and every once in a while there's two games tomorrow. So you know that's what that's the that is the benefit of a guy like Brian Snicker is you know being a manager. There's there's a reason in baseball it's called a manager and not a coach because you are literally managing, you know, forty plus personalities. You're managing a, a marathon season. You gotta, you know, you're kind of a psychiatrist. You're kind of a therapist. You're a shrink. You're a you know, guidance counsel, you're, you know, you're, you're all about kind of managing expectations. And he's a, he's brilliant at that. That's by far and away his best strength as a coach. And yeah, I'm not worried about them. You know, they'll get it turned around and they got so much talent that, you know, they'll, they'll write the ship here soon. It's just kind of annoying to watch at the moment. And I get why fans get frustrated, but yeah, they'll, they'll come out the other side of it. Well, that's going to wrap us up this week. Um, you know, if you guys will uh, definitely keep uh, stay tuned into the site, we've got coverage coming up, and uh, we appreciate everybody listening. We'll talk to you next week.